good morning and welcome. I'm glad that you have made this service a part of your day today, and we're grateful that you've come to be a part. And it's my privilege to welcome you. If you're visiting with us, we're delighted to have you. And there is a tear-off on our bulletin we would like for you to fill out and place in the offering plate or give to one of the ushers at the door to me at the end of the service so we would know better how to serve you and have a record of your attendance, and that would help us along the way as well. The opportunities of the week are listed in the bulletin. I want to highlight the business meeting on Wednesday night at 6.15. We have three teams that will be uh, giving a uh, unified report on uh, the status of our uh, roof and construction project for the Family Life Center that we hope will begin um, sooner rather than later, but we need to uh, bring the church up to speed on what's going on and what the recommendations are, and so I hope that you will take time to be here on Wednesday night at 6.15 to hear what part you can play uh, in this project uh, as well because it will take our resources uh, in order to do this, our financial resources, but it's something that has to be done uh, in order to keep the, the building um, useful and to keep it from further deteriorating uh, in the future. So I hope that you will come and listen to the report of these teams as they have been meeting several times uh, over the past couple of months in order to prepare this uh, meeting. So uh, take time and come and be a part of that. And then it's also time to start thinking about a vacation Bible school. It takes many workers to make VBS a success, and we need leaders to help with different jobs that are available. And so there will be an organizational meeting this Wednesday night after the business meeting in the John Bryant room. Please join the team. Uh, because there's a place for everyone at VBS. And this year's theme is Cave Quest, Following Jesus, the Light of the World. Uh, and they will be meeting in the John Bryant Room uh, following the business meeting on Wednesday night. Uh, Bible school is scheduled. I have to do this off the top of my head. It's not written down. All, uh, July 31st through Ju August 4th. I got it. Yeah, July 31st through August 4th. So, um those are the dates for Bible school, and I hope you will take time. Be in prayer for our Bible school as we um, always try to retool and retweak Bible school each year to make it more effective for our children and those involved. Also, on May 4th, from 2 to 7 in the small dining room, we will have a blood drive. Uh, we need volunteers for the blood drive. We need people who are volunteering their blood. You know, don't say that when you come to church we don't ask for your blood. Uh, but uh, it is a great need all year round. And uh, if you're ever in uh, the medical field at all, you will see the great need for blood. Uh, our goal, or the goal they set for us, was 30 units. And I think she got, uh, Amy Chodorov is uh, leading this up, and Amy's here. She will talk to you following the service in the uh, foyer if you'd wish to get more information on that and how you might be willing to um, participate in that. Uh, and she's sitting over here on my left. Raise your hand, Amy, everybody, so that you can see her. She's going to stay. I think it was productive in the first service. She told me you got five more, so now she has 18. So more than half have signed up, and they don't have to be, you know, part of our congregation. If you know somebody that uh, gives blood, uh, you can let them know that we would like for them. You sign up online, but Amy will tell you exactly how to do that, and she will even help you do that um, another week before the... Uh, or next week, I guess, before the uh, uh, blood drive, if you're willing to do that. You won't see my name on there because I, was, I gave over a gallon of blood, and then they said my blood was no good anymore. 
So I can't give on the deferred list. They told me I had, and you know, I'll give you my medical. They told me I had some liver enzyme that was elevated, and that was 25 years ago. They could say, they said it would lead to the onset of disease, and 25 years later, there is no disease, and I'm still here. So they're very picky about um, what they do with, uh, uh, with the blood or how they uh, use the blood, and it's probably good that they're picky because you don't want uh, someone to give you blood that's uh, contaminated any more than you want to give blood that way. So anyway, if you can give, please do, but I would hope that you would uh, be interested in volunteering. This was also worked in conjunction with our missions uh, uh, team uh, so that uh, we could use this as an outreach mission to help in the community. Uh, the Salt and Light newsletter for April is in the foyer of the church. It's printed on yellow if you would like to get the information related to Salt and Light Ministry, it is there for you. Somebody gave me an announcement to make, and I can't remember what it was, so if you know who it is, or if you gave me that announcement to make, you need to tell me, because I forgot what it, what it was. If I don't write it down, I don't remember all the time. I will tell you this, a couple of things. Tommy um, is still in the hospital, Tommy Metz. He uh, was having some issues still with some fluid around his heart and so forth, so they kept him in the hospital at least through Monday. Uh, and he, the Doris has requested that he have no visitors because he's just completely worn out. But I wanted to bring you up on him. And Raymond Rays, who I've mentioned to you, Raymond is at home, but also they would uh, request that there be no visitors. So keep, keep these two gentlemen in your prayers as they uh, recover, and we hope that Tommy will soon uh, be home. At this time, let's see. No, I've got you later in the service. I will introduce uh, Abigail now, though. Abigail Schreiner is with us from Hope Tree Family Services. Many of you know that as um, the Virginia Baptist uh, Children's Home. The name changed many years ago to encompass more of the scope of their work. And so she's here to talk to us about something that they are involved in and to give you an opportunity to I ask her questions after the service about that, and you see that she will come between uh, the two uh, hymns this morning. And that way I don't have to introduce you. Just come on and speak with them. And she is here as our guest today to talk to us about foster care. So with that in mind, let us worship God.
Shall we pray? Eternal God, how grateful we are for the privilege of being assembled in your house on this day that you've given to us. For you have assured us that where we gather in the name of Jesus, there you are. So we call upon you to draw near to us. Allow us to feel the power and the presence of your spirit as we seek to sing praises to your name, lift your name up on high, and listen for a word from you. Take all of the distractions of the day away from us and allow us to fix ourselves on you. For we make this prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. On this glorious, beautiful spring morning, I would invite you to take your hymnals and turn to hymn number 14, Praise to the Lord the Almighty. Let's stand together as we sing hymn number 14. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me here today. I'm really excited to share with you something that I'm incredibly passionate about. Um, I'm with Hope Tree Family Services, and we actually started 125 years ago as a Virginia Baptist orphanage, and then we were the Virginia Baptist Children's Home, and now we're called Hope Tree. So over the last 125 years, we've grown and we've changed, um, and we still serve children and families in a variety of ways. And let me start by reminding you of this story that Jesus tells in Matthew 25. Jesus talks about two different groups of people, and he calls them the sheep and the goats. And in this story, Jesus turns to the sheep, and he says, When I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. And when I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. And when I was a stranger, you invited me in. And when I was naked, you clothed me. And when I was in prison, you visited me. And I love the sheep's response to this because they didn't realize that they were doing all these things for Jesus. They looked at him and they say, what are you talking about, Jesus? When did we see you hungry or thirsty or sick or in need? And you know this story, right? You know what Jesus says? 
whatever you do for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you do for me. And I want to share with you about our foster care ministry because that's just one way to respond to what Jesus has done for us. One way to care for the least of these and in that way caring for Christ. So who are the least of these? The least of these could be the child who's been abandoned because her parents can no longer care for her. It could be the child who lives in an unsanitary and otherwise unoccupied building until Child Protective Services comes in and finds him. It could be the child whose only understanding of love is associated with violence. It could be the child who has suffered more horrors than you and I can ever imagine. It could be the child who never gives up hope that there's a family out there that could love her. It could be the child who gets up every day and tries his best, even though there is so much stacked against him. These are the children in whom I see the eyes of Jesus, and these are the children who need to know that there is a God out there who loves them unconditionally. You know, I think God designed family to reflect our relationship with him. When you think about it, we learn to trust God because we can trust our parents, and we learn that we're loved unconditionally by God because of the way that our parents loved us. And there are so many children, thousands in Virginia alone, who don't have families where they can learn these truths, who need the church to come around them and love them and support them and be an example of who God is, to love them with the love of Christ. So there's lots of different ways to be involved. The first is to become a foster parent. That would be you'd go through a training process. You'd get a lot of support from Hope Tree, um, and that would be taking a child into your home long-term for the time they're in foster care. It could actually be a couple weeks up to a couple years, and foster parents can be in any age range as long as they're over 21. So we have people in their young 20s. We have people all the way up in their 70s and 80s who are foster parents and everywhere in between. We can have married people or single people. Um, so to be a foster parent is one way to be involved. Another way is to be a respite parent. That's giving foster parents a break. So we need families who are willing to take children into their home. It's about one weekend a month, gives the foster parents a break, and it's a child that you're developing a relationship with and loving and mentoring and coming alongside. Um, another way to be involved is to come alongside a foster adoptive family. You know, I don't think everyone is called to this. I think it truly is a calling, but maybe there's one or two families here in this room that do feel called to it. Um, and they need the whole church body to come around them and support them. Bring them a meal when a child's first placed in their home. Offer to babysit. Ask how you can pray for them. Love these children as they come into your church community and into your Sunday school classes. Another way is to share this information with others. Um, I have an information table in the back. You may not feel called to this, but you may not know who in your life is, a friend, a neighbor, a relative, a coworker. Take this information with you and share it with people. Talk about foster care. Talk about this need. Um, donations is another way to be involved. Not just money, but also tangible things like backpacks, school supplies, hygiene items, suitcases, pajamas, um, things that help as children first come into foster care. And then the last way, and I really believe this is the most important way, is to pray. Pray for kids in foster care. Pray for their biological families. Pray for foster and adoptive families. Pray for those of us who work with children in foster care. Because I really, really believe that God wants to do great works in the lives of these children. And it starts when we as the church are on our knees before God, petitioning heaven for these kids. So I have a table in the back, like I said. I would love to talk to you if you're interested in any of these opportunities. Um, thank you so much for having me here today.
Thank you, Abigail. Certainly wonderful things to think about, certainly a true need that is there. Let's take our hymnals again and turn to page 604 and sing about being committed to the cause of Christ and seeing Christ in the least of these. 604, Come All Christians Be Committed. Please stand together as we sing. pray. Heavenly Father, creator, redeemer, sustainer, the giver of all good gifts and graces, we pause at this time in our service to receive these offerings. May they be used for the advancement of thy kingdom, both here and abroad. For in Jesus' name I pray, amen.
Shall we pray? Oh God, our Father and Savior, we bow in your presence with thanksgiving in our hearts for the gift of prayer, for the opportunity to come before you. We're thankful, Father, that you love us and you love us in the midst of life itself. You have created us and given us life and have given us the opportunity to have life everlasting in your presence through your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. For this we give thanks. We're thankful for this church, for the ministries and work of this place. We're thankful, Father, for our guests this morning from Hope Tree. We know, Father, there are great needs all around us. Needs, Father, that sometimes might be difficult to see because we're not willing to look. Help us, Father, to minister in the name of Jesus Christ. We give thanks for those, Father, who advocate and who give of their time, who work tirelessly to see that others' needs are met. We're thankful, Father, that you give us a mission in this place, a mission to tell others of Jesus Christ. And as we tell others of Jesus Christ, we seek to serve them. May we serve, Father, ever mindful of how you have served us. We pray, Father, for those who are ill, for those that we mentioned earlier. We're thankful, Father, where improvement has occurred. But we pray, Father that as we give them to you, that you will minister in their lives to bring healing and hope. For those, Father, who are suffering the loss of loved ones, how difficult it is, how painful, how lonely it can be. And yet, Father, we know that your spirit can bring comfort and assurance. We're grateful, Father, for our missionaries and for their work here and around the world and for our part in that work as we give and as we pray and as we encourage. We give these to you and give thanks for them. We're thankful, Father, that you have given to us hope, a hope that comes to us through Jesus Christ. May we, Father, be willing to share that message of hope a world who needs to hear. For we make this prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. This morning I would like to share with you a medley of some of my favorite hymns. I hope out of the ones that I've chosen that you might find one that is a favorite of yours or that you might hear one that touches your heart. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. I've got peace like a river. I've got peace like a river. 
river. I've got peace like a river in my soul. I've got joy like a river. I've got joy like a river. I've got joy like a river in my soul. I am weak, but thou art strong. Jesus, keep me from all wrong. I'll be satisfied as long as I walk. Let me walk close to thee. Just a closer walk with thee. Granted, Jesus is my plea. Daily walking close to thee. Let it be, dear Lord, let it be. Precious Lord, take my hand, lead me on, let me stand. I am tired, I am weak, I am worn. Through the storm, through the night, lead me on to the light. Take my hand, precious Lord, lead me home. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me.
our scripture lesson this morning is found in the 13th chapter of the Gospel of Luke, verses 1 through 9. Luke chapter 13. There were present at that season some who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answered and said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were worse sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those 18 on whom the tower of Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse sinners than all other men who dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. He also spoke this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. Then he said to the keeper of his vineyard, Look, for three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? But he answered and said to him, Sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, well. But if not, after that, you can cut it down. An examination was being held in little Emma's class at school and the question was asked, Upon what do hibernating animals subsist during the winter? Emma thought for a few minutes and then wrote, All winter long hibernating animals subsist on the hope of a coming spring. In using parables, Jesus speaks in a pointed and powerful way about God, people, life privileges, opportunities, and responsibilities. His parables also contain warnings and point out the various perils we face in life. In the parable of the barren fig tree, our Lord speaks about the penalty of being useless and fruitless. There is both a national and a personal application in this parable as we find recorded in Matthew 21, 43. Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to an to a nation bearing the fruits of it. Jesus was speaking to the nation of Israel in declaring that Israel had one more opportunity to bear fruit to the glory of God. Israel was rejecting God's Messiah and God's purpose for them as a nation. Forty years later, the nation of Israel was to disappear as a national entity and remain so for nearly 1900 years. The vineyard is an Old Testament figure for Israel. The symbolism of the fig tree is uncertain, but it also probably represents Israel. It was customary for Palestinians to plant fruit trees in their vineyards. The parable invites allegorical interpretation. The owner of the vineyard is Israel's God. For three years, an indefinite but limited period of time, he had been patient with the tree that has not borne the expected fruit. The vine dresser who secures more time for the tree can be thought to represent Jesus, whose intercession has gained another opportunity for Israel. By digging around the tree to cut away the grass and weeds and by fertilizing it, every reason for fruitlessness extraneous to the tree itself must be removed. 
Nevertheless, the story is a parable and not an allegory. As a parable, it has one major point. Israel is being given one last opportunity. If she does not bear fruit, she will be cut down. The fruit which God expects are the deeds which express genuine response to His call to repentance. Jesus spoke to His nation and He speaks to us in a powerful way through this parable of the unfruitful fig tree. Jesus speaks of God's absolute ownership. The parable is talking about God and the nation of Israel. If we turn to the Old Testament, to Isaiah chapter 5, verses 1 through 7, we will see a beautiful vineyard song that is actually a parable. One of the most striking examples of this literary genre to be found in the Old Testament. The parable of the vineyard, cast in the form of a love song, was probably sung by the prophet at one of the harvest festivals in Jerusalem. He may have appeared in the guise of a minstrel introducing a new song, a most effective way to capture the attention of the crowds milling about the temple. He proposed to sing a song concerning his beloved and his vineyard. Beloved in this context simply means friend. The song immediately develops into a story of his friend's solicitous care for his vineyard and of the disappointing results. Only in the surprising ending is the friend identified as the Lord of hosts and the vineyard, the house of Israel. God had been and continues to be repudiated as our creator. Both the people of ancient Israel and modern civilization have for all practical purpose repudiated God as creator. We see all around us with the knowledge that we have gained and that we continue to consume and we continue to develop around us that we have seen that the world has moved away from this understanding of a need for our Creator. God created us and gave us life itself. And because He created us and He recreates us in Jesus Christ, He wants us to use every opportunity we are given to be fruit bearers. God had been and continues to be repudiated as owner. Israel did not see God as owner with a clear title and all of the rights that accrue to ownership. Many people today do not see the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ as the owner of the earth and all of those who dwell in it as Psalm 24, 11 would reiterate for us. We live in a world where we think we have made it on our own. And the world would tell us that. That the effort that we put forward will make us better, stronger, happier, and richer. But in reality, we know that there is an infinite, a, a definite amount of time in this life. A definite amount of time in this life where we can be fruitful and productive in the service of God. And so we see the story of the fig tree. For you see, God had been and continues to be repudiated as sustainer. For all practical purposes, contemporary people believe that everything happens because of natural means. They do not see God as the great engineer behind this fabulous universe. By repudiating God as creator, owner, and sustainer, people have made practical atheists of themselves. They believe that God has set the world in motion and has nothing more to do with it. And we can see through biblical history that God in His time, in His way, comes and intervenes. 
He intervened in your life when you gave it to Jesus Christ. He intervened years ago when Jesus died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. He intervenes in our lives even today as we listen for the presence of the Spirit in our lives as we are asked and compelled to bear fruit. Jesus speaks of God's right to to expect an appropriate return. When you rent an apartment, house, or business building, you acknowledge who the owner is and that you always expect to pay a rental fee to that person. And if you don't, you know what happens. Eventually, they will find a way to get you out. Both Israel and people today have repudiated the rights of the divine owner to receive an appropriate return on his investment. God invests in us through Jesus Christ. Paul says that we were bought with a price. So therefore we belong to God. And because we belong to God, he expects a return on his investment. Now, let's be very clear, as we spoke last week, we are not people who are saved by our works. And our works can't save us. But we are told that if we give our lives to Jesus Christ and we accept that grace into our lives, that we have a responsibility to love in such a way as to be fruit bearers for God. God does not expect impossibilities from His people. God does not expect fig trees to produce grapefruit. God does not expect grapevines to produce watermelons. God does not expect corn stalks to produce cotton fiber. The fruit of the fig tree is figs. The fruit of a redeemed human being is conduct worthy of the family of God. God expects you to do what you can do as He empowers you. He does not want you to be something you can't be. That's why God has called all of us into His service. We all have different talents. We all have different gifts. We all have ways of reaching out to people, being that gift that God would have us to be to other people as we impart the hope that comes to us through Jesus Christ. We are not in some kind of box that says we have to do things a certain way at a certain time. We are called to produce fruit. Furthermore, the fruit of a Christian is another Christian. The fruit of a child of God is another child of God. Jesus was encouraging His nation and He would encourage us to recognize that the Father God is both pleased and glorified when we bring forth much fruit to His honor and glory. He calls us to produce fruit. I have what we call, and there's a name for it, a snowball bush in the backyard. It is a grandchild of a snowball bush that came here from Kentucky on the farm that Janet's grandparents owned. And every house that we've lived in, we've planted. I've had more trouble trying to get that thing to work here than any other place I've ever lived. And I'll tell you the reason why. It's because of the rabbits in the backyard. Our house backs up against a... uh, preserved area in the neighborhood in which we live in and it's full of rabbits. And so every time 
my beautiful snowball bush sprouts out a little bit with its leaves, the rabbits gobble them up. I went out there yesterday to see. I haven't seen any rabbits. And so they're on my little bush about that tall that should be bigger than this pulpit by now are three or four little green leaves. And I said, you poor things. Somebody after the first service told me what to do to get rid of them. If you have any ideas, let me know. I'm not going to shoot them. I think that would get us all in trouble in the neighborhood. But. but you see, as hard as that plant is trying to grow and to produce, it can't get anywhere because of what's nibbling at it all the time. And doesn't that happen in our lives as well? There are times in our lives when we're being nibbled at so hard that we can't seem to get our roots in the ground and our leaves on our trees because there are so many things that distract us. Well, you see, obviously that was not the case with this fig tree, but there was a problem, wasn't it? There had been some neglect, I would say, because the vine dresser was too quick to say, Give it another chance. Let me do what I'm supposed to do and let's see what happens. The same could be said for us. Once we bring people into the fold of Jesus Christ and invite them in, we have a responsibility to nurture them. Jesus speaks of a limitation of divine patience. He said in verse 7, These three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? It was apparently quite common to grow fig trees in vineyards. This one had been mature enough for the owner to have expected fruit from it for at least three years and it had regularly disappointed the owner. The vineyard worker was ordered to cut it down but he asked for one more year of opportunity for the tree during which he will provide it with special nurture. The parable reinforces the need for repentance and suggests that there is a strict limit to the time available for the required repentance. The image is of judgment graciously held back for a time. God is not in the business of encouraging parasites who use up space that could be occupied by productive plants. God wants to replace parasites with those who will be productive. The national application of this parable is that God's patience with a nation can be exhausted. The personal application is that God's patience with the rebellious, unfruitful individual has been blessed with His favor, can reach the point of exhaustion. I would say to you that those who are not producing fruit, for whatever reason it may be, have an issue with God Himself. You cannot accept God's grace and then sit back and do nothing. Because you're so, you should become so overwhelmed by what God has done for you in giving you salvation when you come to the realization that I need a Savior and when He saves you, we should be willing to produce fruit. God wants to replace parasites with those who are willing to be productive. Jesus speaks of the gospel, though, of a second chance. Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. 
When we look back and evaluate our performance, we must admit there have been periods of time when we have not been very productive as fig trees in the vineyard of God. We have not brought forth fruit pleasing to God. We are like my poor snowball bush. Chewed up. Digested. While some opportunities may be past and impossible to recall, we can rejoice that we do have the present. Let each of us decide that we will respond to the working of God's Spirit within our hearts and cooperate with the Father God that when we might be productive, we will be. And we won't be barren plants giving no fruit. Let us decide not only to read God's Word, but to heed it in this process, to recognize our responsibilities before God. Let us see prayer as something more than a fire escape or a parachute. Let us determine to listen that we might receive instructions, correction, and commission to do what God wants us to do. Let each of us recognize that the church is more than a place. Let us see it as the body of Christ in the world today through which He carries on His work in the world. Let each of us rejoice that in and through the church we can serve the Lord. We come together here to serve. And we go out from this place to serve others. Let us not neglect or ignore the Holy Spirit as we are nurtured in the faith. Instead, let us respond to Him positively as He creates within us a hunger for fellowship with God and as He lays on us the blessing of a burden of compassionate concern for those around us. Allow the Spirit to speak to you about what it is you should do. And let us seize every opportunity for self-improvement through study and training like the vine dresser dressing the fig tree, let us allow God to dress us. Then we will become more competent in the church as choir members, as Sunday school teachers and outreach ministers and all other ministry opportunities. We can carry the good news of God's love to the people of the community. We only need to step through the door and be willing to do what God would have us to do. Many years ago, a teacher assigned to visit children in a large city hospital received a routine call requesting that she visit a particular child. She took the boy's name and room number and was told by the teacher on the other end of the line, we're studying nouns and adverbs in his class now. I'd be grateful if you could help him with his homework so he doesn't fall behind the others. It wasn't until the visiting teacher got outside the boy's room that she realized it was located in the hospital's burn unit. No one had prepared her to find a young boy horribly burned and in great pain. She felt that she couldn't just turn and walk out so she awkwardly stammered, I'm the hospital teacher and your teacher sent me to help you with nouns and adverbs. The next morning a nurse on the burn unit asked her, what did you do to that boy? Before she could finish a profusion of apologies, the nurse interrupted her. You don't understand. We've been very worried about him. But ever since you were here yesterday, his whole attitude has changed. He's fighting back, responding to treatment. It's as though he's decided to live. The boy later explained that he had completely given up hope until he saw that teacher. It all changed when he came to a simple realization. With joyful tears, he expressed it this way. 
they wouldn't send a teacher to work on nouns and adverbs with a dying boy, would they? We never know where God can use us and how God uses us when we impart the hope that comes in a relationship with Him. Where do you stand with reference to this parable of the barren fig tree? Does this parable make you think if you have not been born again, you have not brought forth any fruit to the glory of God. You breathe God's air at no cost. You are alive because of a pump in your chest God has constructed. You are blessed with an astounding computer between your ears that God engineered and with which you think. You live off the food produced in God's garden. It's time we all recognize Him as creator, owner, and sustainer and respond to His love by receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. If you have received Jesus as Lord and Savior and for some reason or another you have been asleep and inactive, it's time to awake from your stupor and become productive for God. Which brings us back to the vineyard. The fig tree that would not produce fruit. You see, someone cared, didn't they? The owner said, cut it down. Cut it down immediately. It's of no good. But the vine dresser said, give it one more chance. Let me do what I do and see. If we only would nurture people that way, with that understanding that there might not be another chance unless we give them that chance through some act that we do, then we're not being productive. We're not doing what God would have us to do. What is your response? Shall we pray? Oh Lord, we are grateful for this parable that challenges us to see our responsibility, our role in nurturing and caring for others, in producing fruit so that others might know. The Savior is waiting on us to do what we are called to do. May we be challenged to do it as we delve into your word and allow the Spirit to speak to us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Our hymn of invitation is number 321, The Savior is Waiting. The Savior is waiting on us to come to Him so that we can be productive. You see, if we're not being productive, my question always is, are we really children of God? Have we really given our lives to Him? Because that's what it comes down to. He calls us to come. And then He calls us to go. Will you stand as we sing?
thank you for making this service a part of your day. Uh, in the foyer, you'll find Amy with the, the blood drive, and you will also find Abigail uh, with uh, Hope Tree. So I hope you'll survive. Now, don't neglect Amy just because Abigail has candy, okay? Uh, but they are back there to talk to you. Uh, I hope that if you uh, want to chat with them, you can do so. And we thank Abigail for giving her time and coming to share with us uh, today. Uh, we need to pray for Ron Tony this week. Ron, you're going to uh, Duke on Wednesday for a second opinion related to his health issues. And so, Ron, we will be praying for you and Faye as you go and uh, trust that the Lord will work in your life. And we're grateful for you being with us here today. Let's bow for a benediction. Gracious Lord, as we depart on this day that you have given to us, may we be productive in your kingdom. May we take what we've heard here and be challenged to do what you have called us to do as we minister to a world that needs to hear the good news. Thank you for the gift that you've given to us through Jesus Christ. May his grace sustain us until we meet again. In the name of Jesus, amen.